Welcome back to Topa Talk. That's Cody. And this is Stephanie. And today we are so lucky to be sitting down with Julie. She's actually the vice president of the Planned Parenthood Central Coast Action Fund. And she's been with Planned Parenthood for 18 years. And today we're going to talk about not only what Planned Parenthood can provide, we're also going to talk about maybe some stigmas as well as how you can get involved if this is a cause that you are passionate about. And I have a feeling you're going to be by the time this interview is over. Yeah, we're super excited. There's a lot of fun events coming up. So stay tuned and learn more. So awesome. Today we are with Julie Milkelberry, who is the vice president of Planned Parenthood Central Coast Action Fund. And we're dying to know how you got to this point. And then I think we're going to dive into everything that you're all about helping with Planned Parenthood. Great. Yeah. Um, it's been a long journey. I've been with Planned Parenthood for almost 18 years now. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. No, it's a wonderful organization. I couldn't see myself anywhere else. I have a dumb question. Oh. Planned Parenthood is a nonprofit. <laughs> it is. Okay, great. Yes. So you're working for a nonprofit for 18 years. Yes. But it's like this huge national exactly. nonprofit. Yes. Okay. So it's got a lot of power to it. Yes. And we have two different organizations. We have the healthcare organization, which locally is Planned Parenthood California Central Coast. Mm -hmm. Is that where people go? Sorry, I keep cutting you off, but I'm just curious. Is that the organization (laughs) where people can go and get... Healthcare. Healthcare. Yes. Okay. That's where they get healthcare. Thank you for that. Yes. I've been there, done that. Appreciate that. (laughs) And our our youth and our community can also receive education through um, that organization. Oh, that's amazing. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. There's so much to learn. That's why I'm so excited to have you on here. There's so much to learn. That's amazing. (laughs) It's such a resource that should be tapped into. Yeah. So that's our healthcare organization. Okay. And then I started working for the Action Fund back in 2001. And um, the Action Fund actually does the advocacy and the electoral work that helps support the healthcare organization. So we're the organization that educates people, mobilizes them to get out and vote, um, teaches them what sort of public policies would um, expand access to healthcare, and mobilize them to take action. So we also do that. And um, then we small portion, excuse me, a small portion of what we do is. Um, around elections. Mm-hmm. We identify candidates who are champions for reproductive health care. And then we educate voters about who those champions are. And Do we know who those champions are right now? <laughs> are we allowed to talk about it? <laughs> you know, I'd really like to focus in on our advocacy Absolutely. right now because it's such an important month for yeah. us. Um, but getting back to your original question. So I've been with Planned Parenthood for 2000, since 2001. And I started right out of college. I actually volunteered my senior year of um, UCSB. And I was a women's studies major. So this reproductive rights and healthcare access were really, really important to me. And I saw Planned Parenthood as an organization where I could work and feel good about the work that I do, wake up each and every day and feel like I'm making a difference in people's lives. Because so. you really are doing that. I mean, it's 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 an incredible, incredible organization. Mm-hmm. What, what about January is so important to this organization? Well, January um, marks the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, which is January 22nd. Um, We're going into our 47th year with the Supreme Court case that essentially gave individuals the right to safely end a pregnancy and that it was a matter of privacy that they could make that decision and that politicians didn't belong in that decision. So we're celebrating that 
amazing victory that is so meaningful in so many people's lives and has led folks who can get pregnant to make really solid, informed decisions about what they want their family to be and what they want their futures to be. Um, and so it's a time to celebrate. And then in addition to Roe, um, there's also a series of marches that are happening on January 18th. And those marches really kicked off right after the inauguration of Trump. Mm-hmm. And yes. Yes. The they beanies. sure did. <laughs> the they sure did. I mean, the, the turnout for those marches were incredible. I mean, they really were. It was it was such a silver lining to a, in my opinion, dark time in mm-hmm. our country where these beautiful, massive marches for women's rights was amazing. Yeah, there yeah. was a groundswell of support um, for progress and a rallying cry against everything that this administration has come to represent mm-hmm. and um, a call to really fight back and ensure that the folks in our country are represented and that our values are represented. You know what? I, I'm really appreciative of Ventura County because we're not in a big city. We're not in LA. We're not in New York. We're not in San Francisco, but to be able to still take civic action mm-hmm. with a group of people, like-minded people. Like I went to both Ventura marches and like being able to like rally behind a cause without having to be in a large city. Like, I guess I never realized that growing up. I always thought like, move and change always happened in giant cities and that's not necessarily the case which is amazing yeah the justice for all organization (laughs) is organizing a wonderful march on january 18th it starts at 10 in plaza park okay and um most of ventura county will be gathered there um to protest but also to really state their vision for the future that they see being um sort of the move forward and making sure that our young people have an earth to live on, whether it's climate change um, and rights, you know, in terms of reproductive rights, um, they, those have been under attack, you know, just right. in the, the last year in 2019, there's wow. been 300 attempts to undermine access to safe legal abortion in our country, which is, which is wild. You know, it really is wild and it's, it's so like archaic and we're in 2020 and it's, you know, it's just important education in my opinion. Well, it feels very pointed. It feels very obvious in my opinion and I can be wrong. And this is just my opinion that the attempt is to keep women down because when I was doing research on Roe v. Wade, even back when it was still taboo or it was still happening, wealthy white women still had access to abortions because they could go to a country where it was legal and safe or they could pay a higher wage to do it, have a doctor do it secretly. So it was like, it's like this weird thing that it's like keeping women of lower socioeconomic profiles making babies so that they're less active. And so it's just like, it seems obvious to me that that is the point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's not surprising that many of the most restrictive abortion laws um, are happening in states where we have the highest rates of poverty. I mean, I think about Louisiana, where I worked for eight years for Planned Parenthood. um, And you know, the patients that came into the health center there were coming in through the Medi-Cal. They were really just, tr- they're trying to make things work for themselves. They're trying to take control over their lives. And they're doing that by accessing contraceptives and getting education and that kind of thing. But, you know, with the Title X defunding effort, 
I mean, you're seeing providers close down with all of the attempts to restrict access to abortion services. You're seeing you know, health centers closed down. It's been a super challenge, not only just to provide safe legal abortion, but have access to contraceptives. So, you know, people can make, you know, informed decisions about their, their reproductive lives. Um, and so in Louisiana, I mentioned Louisiana too, is because, um, you know, there's a case that's going to be heard by the Supreme court on March 4th called, um, Gee versus June Medical, and it's a group of providers um, that have filed suit because of a law that essentially would require physicians to have admitting privileges at local hospitals. It's a case that is identical to one that the Supreme Court heard three years ago and decided was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. They're bringing it back up because the court shifted about a year ago with the introduction oh. of Judge Kavanaugh, yeah. and they feel like they have the votes now. Right. Can to- you explain that issue? Sorry, I don't, un- <laughs> I, I don't completely understand the case. So, when, so essentially what they want to require physicians who are providing abortion services, they want to require them to, to work with local hospitals to have a, to have privileges at their hospital to see patients that come in through the door, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's an unnecessary burden because we have emergency rooms, right? Yeah. I mean, everybody has access to emergency rooms. And yeah. if there is an instance where a person needs to be cared for, there is a space there. There are physicians there to take care of them. Mind you, abortion happens to be one of the safest procedures in our country, Right. It's really, really safe. Women are accessing this care earlier and earlier because of science and mm-hmm. medical access. And there's access to medication abortion now. And so to add a requirement, which is not even recommended by like the American yeah. College of Gynecology and Obstetrics. I probably have that just a little bit wrong. <laughs> right, right, close enough. <laughs> but, you know, that's that's not required for standard of care is is an undue burden. Yeah. And so what's going to happen? And then if you have a hospital that happens to be, let's say, a religious affiliated hospital in a state, right? And maybe all of those hospitals are religiously affiliated. Mm-hmm. It's difficult to convince that hospital to grant admitting privileges to a physician who is going to provide care that is not in alignment with their mission Which or is their so values. Out of order. It's so out of line. Right. And so this is a safe legal procedure, right? Um, that one in four women at some point in their lives will access. And there are states that are wanting to put in these additional barriers, not because they're worried about the safety and the health of the people accessing care, but because they're interested in placing barriers between that person and that procedure. It's hard for me to wrap my mind around because in actuality, you know, these these barriers and these, you know, proposed laws and these these people who are so against it are, are really putting people in danger. Mm-hmm. They they really are, and so, you know, it's just it's so hard for me to wrap my mind around because, like you said, 
it is a safe procedure and Planned Parenthood in my opinion is is a safe haven. I mean, I've been there plenty of times myself for, you know, getting STI checks, you know, to be healthy and I've never felt judged there and I felt welcomed there and it's, you know, it just it kind of blows my mind. It really does that people think that this is a solution of any sort. Well, there shouldn't be any shame around being safe and smart and practical and responsible. The shame comes from the the act of sex and the fact that you have to go get checked yeah. because you may have had sex with another sexual partner and it's like part of your lifestyle to get regularly mm-hmm. checked as everybody should. Yeah. But there is that it's shame around something that people have been doing but we couldn't be living if people didn't. Well, you know, so and, the, and the and and the truth, you know, there should be no shame in in taking power over your body and your health, no matter what that looks like. And you can have mm-hmm. that access at Planned Parenthood, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. That's a place to be, you know, in charge of your health and and and, mm-hmm. and empower of your body. And I think it's such a beautiful organization. And with that said, you know, oftentimes there's these great there's these great places like Planned Parenthood or these great movements elsewhere. How specifically could someone who may be listening want to support Planned Parenthood? Um, How would they go about doing that the best way? What are the best ways to support Planned Parenthood in your opinion? That's a, that's a really great question. I think there, I think it depends on the individual um, whether you want to give time or if you want to give money, you know, in terms of the work that the action fund does locally we're always looking for volunteers that can help us get the word out on all of our various campaigns. You know, we recruit volunteers to go up to the Capitol every year um, to essentially visit with our lawmakers and to reinforce our public policy agenda. Essentially, we're advocating for particular, you know, expansions to healthcare, And we're, you know, we're leaning on constituents to sort of help us make that case, right? To show why it's important to the communities that their elected officials serve. And then um, we have a lot of different, um, you know, outreach events that we booth at. So we're looking for volunteers that can help represent us in their community and bring in new supporters, right? We're building a movement. I mean, that's really how people can help us is spreading the word with their friends, you know, really sharing why these issues are important to them personally and helping us bring in more people to the fold. And then of course there's always money. I mean, campaigns cost money, whether Mm -hmm. it's a, you know, an initiative or public policies or even building a movement, um, you know, sending in any amount that you can to help support this work really helps immensely. Right. And it's helping so many people as well who, who, you know, in the past when I didn't have health insurance, mm-hmm. it was a place for me to go and and be taken care of. Mm-hmm. And that is in thanks to volunteers at Planned Parenthood and donors who, you know, helped out. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. And I think that if you have the time and you have the money to what, whether it's foregoing your, your daily coffee for a week, if you can mm-hmm. just donate that even, even a day, one day a week, a that's day, five you know? bucks a week, 20 mm-hmm. bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just not you know, going to do the math on the year. When you're, pa- <laughs> <laughs> when you're passionate about something and you yeah. want something to thrive and you want to help a community of people who who need help and and could really use that education and it's such a positive thing, then why not? I mean, is there a place someone could go right now listening to this podcast and maybe donate? Was there a certain link or anything that you know off the top of your head? 
Sure. There, it's really easy. It's P as in planned, P as in parenthood, C as in central, C as in coast, and then AF for actionfund.org. So awesome. PPCCAF.org. Well, then awesome. I challenge all yeah. of you to forgo your coffee this week, make it at mm-hmm. home and, and yeah. donate your coffee money yeah. to that website right now. So I kind of want to go off. Oh, Sorry, there was something I just wanted to say about sort of like how um, can people help? I think on the local level, especially in Ventura County, we have this great organization called the Ventura County Reproductive Rights Network, which Planned Parenthood is a member of. Um, But every year they have this amazing um, anniversary ad for the Roe v. Wade anniversary where they get supporters to essentially print their name in an ad pledging that they support reproductive rights and that they're willing to fight to ensure that everyone has access. And so that's currently, we're currently recruiting people to do that. Um, So if you're interested in having your name in print and pledging that you are in support of reproductive rights, that would be another really great way to, to get involved. And, you know, you can you can email me if you want to, and I can give that information. Um, you could do info at pppcaf.org, um, and we can get you connected to that. The deadline for that is the 17th, though. So That's a really That's great up. way. That's Friday. That's yeah. like a great way to step into your power with it. In a time where sometimes people feel like they maybe are not heard and maybe feel mm-hmm. a little bit helpless in this political climate, what a great way to put your mark on something and what you believe in, you know, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. They also have um, an events page on um, Facebook and you can just essentially search them Ventura County Reproductive Rights Network for local events that are happening in Ventura County. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So I've had this thought all week. And so I wanted to ask Julie her opinion on it, but it's kind of a long explanation. So I was listening to this podcast and it was talking about remarkable things or things that are we're used to seeing. So if you're driving down the highway and you see a cow, you don't pull over and take a picture of the cow, right? You just keep driving because you've seen cows, Cody, (laughs) you've seen cows a million times in your life. So that cow is not special. But if you're driving down the highway and you saw a purple cow on the side of the road, you'd probably pull over and take a picture because holy shit, that's a purple fucking cow. Like what? And I, and my, it instantly came into my brain that if one in four women have had an abortion Mm -hmm. and I don't know the statistics on STDs, but it's so taboo that those stories are not being shared, that they're purple cows, that they are the purple cows that people say, oh my God, how could you? Or, oh my God, that's shameful. Or, oh my God. So it's the lack of being able to be open and honest with people in your life and share your stories of abortion, share your stories of your STD scares or the fact that you have an STD because that's not a shameful thing either. But because people are not willing to, and it is not talked in mainstream society, it is then put down as other or bad or shameful. And so if people are not willing to be open and hear those stories, first of all, and not judge others, then no one's going to come forward. It's always going to be the purple cow that is like looked down upon in society that people will not support. And I feel like that's a big thing. And I think with Planned Parenthood, with their education, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it is probably a lot of like uncovering misconceptions Mm -hmm. and ideas of how these things actually happen and work. It's like people are just simply uneducated on the topic. Right. Yeah. Well, it's so true. And I mean, I, I, you know, 77% of Americans support access to safe legal abortion. 77%. 77%. Wow. It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't always feel that way. Yeah. Wow. And I I really like what you said about the importance of reducing stigma and speaking out. And that's a lot of the work that we've been doing over the last couple of years. And that that starts with encouraging people 
to share to share to be brave to be brave but we also know that everybody needs the time right and everyone needs to be in the space to be able to share those those stories but to be brave and to be bold right and we have these platforms for people to share stories whether it's you know a story about visiting a planned parenthood health center or a story about getting tested Mm -hmm. or a story about (laughs) accessing safe legal abortion what are those platforms so my story um is on instagram it's actually it's the story project and um one of my team members um helps facilitate the sharing of the stories and does interviews and that kind of thing so wow yes incredible so if there are folks out there who are eager to share their story and to help um really to help other people understand the importance of this care Mm -hmm. um they can reach out to us as well and or we can help facilitate that. Or if there's people who you know are, you know, need that kind of that kind of resource to read and feel like they're not alone. Absolutely. That's amazing. You know? Or like get yourself acquainted with the fact that it is normal. Maybe it's something you've never done and you don't have any friends that have ever told you about it. Go read some of these stories and humanize yourself with it a little bit and like be a little bit more connected to it too. It's like for people from every end. I oh, feel like. totally. Yeah. Shout Your Abortion is another really good resource. Um, and there's a website for Shout Your Abortion. There's also, it started off as a Twitter um, hashtag. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, you know, the whole point is to get people speaking up about this very common procedure and this very, this, this shared experience that a lot of people across our country and across the world have had um, to reduce the stigma. Because when we reduce the stigma, it becomes more difficult for lawmakers to place restrictions on our health care. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I encourage people to do is to change the way they talk about abortion mm-hmm. and the way they talk about things like teen pregnancy. Mm-hmm and unwanted pregnancy so instead of saying unwanted pregnancy it's an unintended pregnancy or a mistimed pregnancy isn't that amazing how just a slight reframe like that is just it just adds it it releases so much shame Mm -hmm. from unwanted to unintended it's amazing was just listening to this podcast that said that instead of saying they're at risk youth Mm -hmm. to call them at potential youth because it's the same, it's basically the same thing. It's like we have this moment in time right now for these these youths Mm -hmm. to give them resources to either make a change or not. So why call them at risk? Because that just taints their entire life instantly. They feel less than, other people look at them less than. Mm -hmm. But if you change the verbiage around it, like you're saying, because language is everything. Right, it is. Language is is literally everything. And so to change the language around it changes the way people frame it. Well, when you even hear the term unwanted pregnancy it it you know subconsciously clicks something in your mind that you've made a mistake Mm -hmm. that you've done something wrong that Mm -hmm. you know but when it's unintended you know it just it happened and and what's the next step and what does that look like for me personally it's also not it's like it's so one-sided women have to take this burden on Mm -hmm. and it's like the argument on the other side is to be smarter or to be more practical or to use abstinence or whatever, whatever, whatever. But there's no responsibility to the man. <laughs> it's extremely one-sided. That man can walk away any day. And it's, it's, it's it not, puts a lot, it puts a lot on the individual who can get pregnant. So a woman can't really plan her life because that man can still get a career and still go hustle and not be at home as much. But the woman has, you know, obvious reason to not. And so it's like, 
I understand why I would want to be able to plan my life. I don't want to have my reproductive situation control what I do. You know, and I think that the place that we start as a society is that we start talking to young people and we start valuing sex education in public school settings and that we start using the language that really explains not only how our bodies work, um, but how we build healthy relationships with one another. And we're, we're big proponents, advocates, experts when it comes to sex education, you know, that our, our health organization is. Um, and the state of California is really stepping up. They, they mandate sex education um, in public schools at least once in junior high and at least once in high school. I would argue we need to do more than that yeah. because I think it's an ongoing education and I think it can start really, really early with yeah. just the appropriate names for body parts. And there's so many different levels to sex education as well, where it's not just, I mean, the sex education I received in eighth grade was, this is how to not get a woman pregnant, which mm-hmm. does not apply to me as a gay mm-hmm. man. And it was, um, this is how to not get STDs, which is don't have sex. Right. And it's, you know, there's, it's so much more than that. I, I received probably no sex education that has been helpful to me as an adult in, in middle school. And that's the truth. Yeah, For me and, individually and, as a gay man. And, yeah. and we failed you. The state of California failed you. But what's right. happened is that they're moving towards making sure that if schools are going to be teaching sex education, that it has to meet specific criteria. And one that it teaches about consent, teaches about healthy relationships, is LGBTQ plus inclusive, mm-hmm. um, talks about gender identity, mm-hmm. like a f- Amazing. A full spectrum of issues that are relatable to the youth that are growing up right now. I mean, it's just, you know, the the challenge is, one, funding, making sure that schools have the money to be able to do it the right way, because it does take a lot of training, and you do need an expert in the classroom, somebody that's going to teach without judgment, Mm -hmm. someone that's going to teach without shame. Um, And so we're, it's a work in progress, right? And I'm hoping that in the next few years that schools will really recognize that this is an investment that they really need to make in our youth. Yeah. They really need to make it in our youth. I and also the- never had a conversation with my parents, never, ever, 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 ever sat me down and had conversations about my body parts, about like literally anything. Mm-hmm. I don't remember ever, ever, ever having that talk. No, no birds and bee talk. I remember we had one sex education class and it was in like seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it's like, it's, crazy that my parents were too bashful around the conversation to even think that it was appropriate. I'm kind of fascinated because I obviously learned today that there's education programs through Planned Parenthood. And I can't believe I didn't know that. And I feel a little bit silly, but will you tell us a little bit more about that since we're on topic of education now? (laughs) Absolutely. So we have health educators. um, Well, the healthcare organization does. I'm going to speak with my other hat on for just a minute. I'm also the vice president of community engagement for the healthcare organization. Um, We have health educators in Ventura County and in Santa Barbara County. And most of their work 
happens with youth in after-school programming or with nonprofit organizations. We also have some relationships and partnerships with schools where they go in and they teach a curriculum called Making Proud Choices that essentially covers all of the criteria of the Healthy Youth Act. So they're making sure that they're getting information about healthy relationships. They get a, a module on gender identity. They talk, you know, the information that they're sharing is LGBTQ plus inclusive. Um, they talk about birth control methods and STIs. It's like the full range. It takes a lot of time to provide this information, right? Yeah. Um, but we've had really good feedback um, from the youth and from our partners. And we're so proud to be out in the community talking to people about the information they need to lead healthy lives. Because That's this is really, be. right? I mean, this is really about life and death for a lot of people. Life and death. And yeah. also, just, you know, had I gotten that kind of information at that age, it just, I would have been, you know, I would have been probably a lot better off. I, you know, I really do take care of my health and I, and I am proud of that. But there would have been a lot of less mystery out there for me. I mean, there's so much mystery for just not knowing anything about my sexuality and, and what that looks like. It's, it's pretty beautiful what you're doing. You know, that's amazing. And I'm, that's such a cool thing for me to learn today. So in addition to that, just, I mean, as we're on the topic of education, um, there's also a text to chat component where you can, yeah. And you can do this online. Mm -hmm. A lot of the information that I'm talking about can be found at PP, um, FA.org or plannedparented.org. And you could even Google text to chat and essentially you can ask any question Mm -hmm. that you have shamelessly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And receive an answer without judgment. That could be very light. That could be, that could be like crucial for people. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know, the thing about it is years ago, I went to Planned Parenthood to get tested for SDIs because I was entering a serious relationship and I just wanted to be responsible and know what was going on before I really, you know, settled down with this guy. And I, I get really anxious about everything in the world. It's just part of my personality. I have such anxiety. So you could imagine someone who it was my first time getting tested, what great deal of anxiety that brought me. And I'll never forget the technician or whatever you would, you would call them came in. And I was honest and said, I'm feeling really anxious, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she said, you know, you need to realize that you are taking power of your health. You're in control of your health and you should be proud of yourself right now. And it made me feel so good. And so when you said, you know, it was called something about being proud of yourself for that, that education system. Proud decisions. Proud decisions. Making proud choices. Making proud choices. (laughs) I like, I got a little emotional when you said that because it reminded me of that beautiful time where I realized I shouldn't be ashamed to be here. I'm making a really proud decision right now i'm making a proud choice it's amazing so it's so Planned parenthood is so personal to me because it is that that older sibling that parental figure that is on your side that has no judgment and takes care of you when you need it the most we're the cool aunt you're the cool aunt you sure are and that's what it felt like and that's really what it felt like and so it's amazing thank you for sharing that experience yeah absolutely i mean that's like you know and I've that's where I've gotten tested since because I just you know I've always you know I've been I've never felt judged and it's weird and not to get into this but it's weird being a gay man going to like the doctor sometimes where they don't quite understand what 
your needs are and, and things like that. And unless you are a gay man or you are incredibly woke, I guess, mm. you, you might not understand that awkwardness and that uncomfortableness. <laughs> but I, I never feel that with Planned Parenthood. And that's the truth. Yeah. Great. So thank you. Oh. Amazing. Absolutely. So I kind of was hoping we could talk about some misconceptions if you're open to it. Sure. And can. So um, I remember when I was living in Long Beach, I would go to Planned Parenthood with a really good close friend. And that's where she got all of her medical. I was still had great health insurance under my parents. So I just did everything else at uh, the doctors. But I remember going and there's always people protesting outside of this location for anti-abortions. Come to find out that location doesn't do administer, like do any sort of abortions there. And so I feel like when people are angry or mad towards Planned Parenthood, it's because they don't understand what's actually happening there. But I don't know, like, it, is that a common misconception that people assume that every Planned Parenthood is like just doing abortions constantly? <laughs> that's what, I mean, that's what they lead with. I mean, our opponents lead with the misconception that, you know, that we're only an abortion provider. And the, the truth is we're a healthcare provider and abortion is part of that care. Um, over 90% of the services that we provide are preventive services like birth control methods and sexually transmitted infection testing and treatment and well-person care. Um, we see folks now who are coming in for gender-affirming care. So we do we do a lot. <laughs> do people who are like pregnant come for like wellness checks as well or or it's generally the first and it, it okay. that that visit usually happens when we're we're doing a pregnancy test and we ensure that you know the pregnant person is walking away with prenatal care vitamins okay. and a referral to go to get prenatal care so we have a we have an incredible role to play in healthy pregnancy outcomes but primarily our our mission is really to um, provide preventive reproductive health care services um, that include you know your well person visit which would might include a pelvic exam probably includes a you know a breast exam and a referral out for a mammogram okay um, we've also do the HPV vaccine um, which is incredibly effective in preventing certain forms of cervical cancer screenings um, we have people who come in and you know tell us stories of how you know the the lump that we caught was actually cancerous and if we wow. hadn't caught it then you know, there's no telling what would have happened. And so we're a safety net provider. And there have been times where, you know, people will come in and they have their well person check and there's a there's a mole that is discovered by the clinician and says, hey, you know, you really you might consider going to a dermatologist to check Mm. Check it out. Yeah. So we're a safety net yeah. provider, right? Um, and we're also a provider of safe legal abortion. And we're proud to be able to provide that service without judgment mm -hmm. um, and to ensure that anyone who walks in our door is able to get the care that they need. I think your opponents think that that's all you do. And I think that mm -hmm. that's, that's obviously what they focus on because that they won't they won't be quiet about it. You know what I mean? But it's just one piece of the jigsaw puzzle that is Planned Parenthood. And it's created this beautiful puzzle that has all these different offerings for people. And if people could get, you know, past whatever their preconceived notions are of that and realize that you're doing a world of good on that front, as well as 
on hundreds of other fronts. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's eye opening. It's it's really amazing. I think it goes back to stigma, though, right? I right. mean, I we believe strongly that abortion is part of healthcare. Absolutely. Period. Right. Right. To single it out or to demonize demonize Planned Parenthood because they take care of folks who need to end a pregnancy is just flat out wrong. Right. Right. Um, Yeah. It's also hard when you see photos of legislators in a room and it's all white men and there's absolutely no women in the room to have any sort of decision, decision making. I was just meeting, I just met with a woman um, who's the national, she was the president of the national association of business, women business owners. Mm -hmm. She was talking about how they just put a bill forward that mandates, they had to do this. They had to mandate companies to have women on boards. (laughs) That was, I think Senator Jackson had a part in that, that bill. Yes. Yeah. They said, California said, okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it to Mm -hmm. a point where it wasn't just happening. So they literally had to make it into law so that women Mm -hmm. could be in boardrooms to help make those decisions. And, and women play such a huge role in society that the fact that we don't, we are not a part of decision-making is absolutely outlandish. It's, it's fucking ridiculous. I mean, Don't you're mind half my, of us. You're half of my... us. You know what I mean? It's like you're half of the population. I think we're over half of the population. I think so I... too. <laughs> I think so too. And we play a huge role. And like, I think it's starting. It, thank God, because I feel like people are becoming more and more aware of it. And I think that women's work is becoming more valued, but it's taking a really long time still. I mean, mm-hmm. even still, I just saw something where it's like, you know, it's so often for a woman in the workplace, for instance, to be, you know, feeling guilty if they're not taking care of their children at home, but then they feel guilty if they're ta- they're taking their children at home and not at work. And then, mm-hmm. you know, I saw a study where they said, if you want to be respected at work as a man, you put a photo of your children so that people think you're a good provider. If you want to be respected as a woman at work, you don't put your photos of your children because you'll seem distracted. And it's just like, it blows my mind. Well, yeah, they say that the gender gap pay gap isn't actually women versus men. It's women with children, that the pay gap comes in effect with women with children. Not to mention, what is the law for maternity leave? Six weeks? Is that right? You have to provide six weeks or something. I think it's, it's very low. It's it's not ideal. I mean, it's not it's not enough. Six weeks? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. And not to mention, there's like, a combination of things you can pull together yeah. to extend that time. But I'm not sure exactly how much time is in each of the programs. There could be a lot more. Time. And a lot of the organizations, if you work in the same organization as your partner, you do not both get dual. You have to split your maternity and paternity leave. You do not get full on both. I've worked at places like that, and I've wow. had to see a mom and dad split their time because they both did not get full time. They got six weeks between the both of them. And it's like, they don't give men the amount of time to do family bonding. But I I know that companies are trying to change that. It's just slow work, but it's, it's kind of crazy. Could you remind us of the dates of, sorry, totally going off of what we were just talking about. No, these are important issues. Could you remind us of the dates of the events happening this month again? Because I think it's something that people who are listening to this are obviously going to be very interested in participating in. 
Yes, I can. I'll, I'll remind you. So starting this weekend on January 18th. That's um, this Saturday. That's this Saturday. The National Women's March is happening and there are sister marches across the country. And so in Ventura, it's the Justice for All organization that is organizing it. And that's at 10 a.m. in Plaza Park. And then in Santa Barbara City, um, Santa Barbara Women's March is hosting a march at 1 p.m. at the courthouse. Um, so both of those are within driving re- distance of Ohio. folks. I don't know if there's yeah. any Ohio happening. Ventura. Ohio. Yeah. Ventura, Santa Barbara. Yeah, Ohio does things at the Y. They call it the Y. It's where the, it's where the street splits at the Vaughn's parking lot. They'll also have a demonstration. Oh, the Y Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then the Roe v. Wade anniversary ad that I mentioned, um, the deadline for signatures has already passed for the independent ad. Mm -hmm. Um, That will go out. Actually, it's going to be published on um, the 15th. And then the Ventura County Reproductive Rights Network is having their signature ad published on January 23rd. Again, the deadline for submission is January 17th. Which sounds, it sounds like a really cool thing to get. I know we need to look in. at it. I know. I want to do, we it, do it. But, and if you're listening, yeah. I think that it sounds like something we have time to do it. You guys, let's do this. It's, yeah. I mean, it sounds, it sounds cool. Yeah. yeah. And so Planned Parenthood kind of has, you know, all their different campaigns, it sounds like. And one that I've been aware of or semi-involved with is Bands Off My Body. Mm-hmm. Did I say that right? Yes. And so is that is that still kind of moving forward? It is. I mean, that came out of all of the bands that were propping up um, in the South after the Kavanaugh appointment. Um, you know, we were looking at six weeks bans, six week bans on abortion. Um, some like even that go farther and are they're so archaic to use your word, mm-hmm. uh, Cody. So, um, <laughs> bans off my body is really a response to that, and it is still going on. Um, We are in California in a really unique position um, in that we've codified Roe. Like we respect people's privacy and want to make sure that they have access to safe legal abortion no matter what. And so what's going to happen in California is that we're going to continue to expand access and we're working on expanding access to safe legal abortion here in the state. Just last year, we had um, a bill that was passed that allowed for health centers on state universities to start providing medication abortion, which was a huge win. It's a big barrier for students having to travel mm. for that care. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that will likely be implemented in the next couple of years. Um, oh, but I mean, it's it's really kind of it's interesting being in California where we're constantly on the cutting edge and we're leading sort of the resistance when it comes to expanding care and then seeing what's happened across the country and sort of what our role is getting ready to sort of be a safe haven for folks that are needing access to safe legal abortion services. So if Roe were to be overturned, um, then the question is, how do we as progressive states ensure that people understand how to access that care, whether it's helping people cross state lines, um, you know, paying for flights, you know, flying people out? How do we communicate sort of the fact that there's still a way to have control over your future. So what happens when a woman cannot access a safe abortion? So that depends on the individual. You know, there have been 
women who have shared their stories of accessing, you know, medication online or um, having self-induced abortion services, um, it's more likely that uh, a woman who who can't access, you know, a an abortion within their hometown will likely have to travel. What that means is that the cost of the care is probably going to increase depending on where they are in their pregnancy because the procedure costs at different times in the in the pregnancy. It could also mean that person has to travel and get a hotel room, pay for gas. You know, we know that the the majority of women who are making the decision to have an abortion already have children. And so it could mean additional childcare costs, um, days off of work, loss in income. There's a lot of um, not having access <laughs> to healthcare within your local community has an impact that goes beyond just getting that procedure, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and unfortunately, it impacts, you know, people who are are living in that that don't have, you know, a lot of money. That and, and yeah. when they turn to unsafe abortions. They're putting their lives really at risk. Really bad things happen. Exactly. Yeah. We yeah. all we all deserve, you know, healthcare, and we all deserve to be, you know, making these choices for ourselves and what suits our health and our families. And you know what you all do there with Planned Parenthood is just incredible. And I think that I, I hope everybody listening can you know, see how amazing it is and want to do their part to make sure that this, this program and this um, nonprofit s- thrives and is something that, you know, is a resource for these people, because it really breaks my heart to think about what you asked Stephanie about, you know, what are the options if that's, if it's not something that's available to someone, it's heartbreaking. It's, it's, you know, they make it, you know, quote unquote, they, the people, the, the people, the opponents for Planned Parenthood are trying to make as inconvenient as possible for these people to take control of their healths and their lives. And well, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I've talked about privilege a lot on the podcast because it's something that I'm very aware that I have. I'm a white, well-off woman living in California and it's easy for me to access that. And the fact that women in Louisiana don't have the same simply because of their where they are geographically mm-hmm. and most and a lot to do with the color of their skin mm-hmm. and it's and their economic like success is just baffling to me the fact that I've done nothing to deserve this my parents raised me I'm here in California and I'm you know what I'm saying like there's and, no and reason why I should have access and someone shouldn't and, it makes no position, sense and in your position and if you're feeling the same way that Stephanie's feeling listening to this at home that is an opportunity for you to help others that you know need your help and to be a champion for them and to and to you know be their friend and to donate and support and volunteer there's options you know if you feel like you have a leg up in the world, well, then step down and help others to pull them up too. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think the simplest thing that we can do if we have the ability to do, because not everybody is able to vote, but vote and don't just vote. Talk to your friends about voting. Join a 
get out the vote campaign, because I will tell you so much has been undone in the last four years that we fought so hard for. And the way that we move forward is that we hold our lawmakers accountable and we elect folks who are going to protect our access to health care and expand our access to health care and protect our environment and to ensure that, you know, we are a welcoming country for everyone. Right. I mean, there's so many issues that are intersected and there's so many issues that we could overcome and move towards a solution with if we had different leadership. Voting is sexy. Voting well, is super not sexy. Not only vote, but do your research. Well, this is the thing is like do people research, feel intimidated you know. by voting. They say, well, mm-hmm. I don't really know what's going on. Okay. How many, look at your iPhone. How many hours a day are you spending on it? Right. Read an article a day. Take your time off of Instagram or go on Instagram and five, find our, find people like Planned Parenthood and an organization that I love, which is move on. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the abortion stories and, and dedicate, change up your feet a little bit. Stop following all these influence or, or follow influencers that support these people and mm-hmm. like educate yourself just a little bit. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be daunting or scary. And that's the other thing too, is if you educate yourself and make an opinion, even if it is different than ours, at least mm-hmm. you took the time and effort to look into it. And you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is when people say, you know, I don't vote because, you know, politics is just, it's drama and I don't want to get involved and I'm not going to vote. Well, how dare you? I, mm-hmm. I mean, turn to those who need your votes and need your support, need your help and tell them that to their face. It's a slap to the face. You know what it's I mean? It's your civic duty. You must be pretty privileged to feel pretty comfy if you don't feel like you need to vote. Yeah, right. Exactly. And vote with your dollars. It takes a few minutes to look into a company that you spend money with every single day. <laughs> True that. Don't yeah. go to Starbucks. Go to Beacon. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even joking. I mean, we talk about voting with your dollars all the time. If you don't right. feel like a casting a ballot counts, voting with your dollars does because politicians are getting funneled money from every organization because they're still seen as individuals <laughs> and that they can pay politicians, which is insane. And that's a big way to vote with vote with your dollars. You spend money constantly. Research the companies. Where do they stand on these issues that you care about? That's a really good point. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. You know, and yeah, I just, this has been such an enlightening and eye-opening interview and discussion. And I hope that it causes so many more discussions from people who are listening to this that can share this episode in particular, or even just talk about this episode Mm -hmm. to someone else. And, you know, I'm leaving here much more educated than I was about Planned Parenthood and different laws and different things that, you know, are important to me that I, I wasn't sure how to support, you know, and how to, you know, it's yeah, it's been fantastic. Yeah, I'm feeling excited. We'll definitely be sharing some links and some more information. Um, we're super lucky to have Julie here. When when this first became available to us, I pretty much lost my mind and was like, "We'll do whatever it takes to make this happen." <laughs> and I'm happy to come back. We <laughs> yeah, would love to have yeah. you back. Oh my yeah. God, we would love to have you back. We You've need to hear from joy. you, listeners. Yes, and I would love to come back. You know, once once the Planned Parenthood Central Coast Action Fund has determine their slate of candidates for the general election. Um, They will be posting um, the slate of candidates for the March primary at pppcaf.org in the next couple of weeks. So when we think about 
voter education and being an educator voter, look for the organizations that are are doing the work and holding electeds accountable and really identifying those champions. Um, Because it's it's super helpful when you get that ballot to know who is standing with you on the issues that you care about. Yes. Amazing. Amazing. And you have been such a joy to, yeah. to talk to. It's been so nice to meet you. I have to admit, I was so nervous before this started. <laughs> I didn't, you know, I, it's such a, it's such an important topic and it's such an important organization and, you know, very on brand with Planned Parenthood. You made me feel very comfortable Aww. and, and <laughs> safe. So thank you so much. Ditto. Yes. Thank, thank you, you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Right. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.